Hello, this is Tom Pacello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast. My guest today is Eric Spensky. Eric is currently the vice president of marketing for Jividon, a provider of flavors and fragrances that delight consumers all over the world. Eric cut his teeth as a marketing leader with Quest International Flavors, Northland Cranberries and Hormel Foods before joining Jividon to lead customer support, run a marketing segment and eventually lead marketing. I got to know Eric well as a MediaFly sales enablement customer and working directly with his team on creating better value articulation for his solutions. And today we're here to talk about everything sales enablement and value. Welcome, Eric Spensky. Hi, Tom. Thanks. Awesome. So I love the tagline, flavors and fragrances that delight consumers all over the world. Tell us a little bit about what Jividon's all about and why you're so important for your customers. Oh, well, thank you for that. I think, uh, you know, Jividon is one of those companies that um, most people have never even heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Yet, Yet, what we say is that uh, most consumers in developed markets around the world will experience our products up to 10 times per day. And, you know, and that's all about us, you know, sort of being on those ingredient statements in places people don't commonly look, right? So when you see a product like natural flavor on a, on a label, that's us a lot of times. And so, you know, we, we talk about how that, you know, we don't make the foods you eat. We make the foods you eat taste great. And, and, and we've been doing that for over 200 years. Wow. Yeah, and you're right. Before we began working together, uh, I had not heard of the company, but uh, certainly afterwards I, I realized and I look at the packages that I, of foods that I eat and uh, items that I buy, and uh, it's there. And so that's great. So we appreciate <laughs> yeah. everything that Thankfully you do. It now, is, yeah. Now, why is this important for customers? So why uh, something called a natural flavor? Why is that a better option for some of the food providers and processors that you work with? Well, well, more and more that, uh, you know, the, the, the value that Jividon brings is being realized. You know, as consumers these days are looking for more transparency, they've got a lot more concern for the environment, sustainability, things like that. You know, Jividon becomes increasingly important. And, and we, we refer to as flavors as like one of the original sustainable food ingredients, right? It's, it's that idea that if you want to flavor a yogurt, for instance, you can use fresh strawberries, but you're far more efficient, far more effective by using flavors. You can, you get more product consistency, you get a lot of cost advantage and you don't use the food ingredient, the, the strawberries themselves as much to, uh, you know, to flavor something like that. So that, 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 food ingredient is then left for human consumption and the flavors really do the job of delivering the flavor profile that makes a healthy product like yogurt, you know, more palatable and better, just a better eating experience. And it is natural and not artificial, which is the other key component. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. It comes, you know, it comes from natural ingredients and natural materials, plant materials. And, and so, yeah, quite often, I mean, there are artificial flavors. We, We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, some some products use those because they're they're far more cost effective, also very sustainable by the way typically, but um, but really you know consumers these days are looking for their foods to be natural to come from natural sources and so on and we certainly can provide that. 
Awesome. So you started at Jividan and you were focused on as a customer support leader first, and then uh, you ran a marketing segment, and then you now are at the reins of marketing. What were the what were a few of the biggest challenges you faced when you took the reins, particularly of marketing, the role that you're in now? I think you know taking it on as I did at the time, which was a little over five years ago now. Um, you know, I found that the big challenge was as fast as our industry was changing, you know, that consumer dynamic was certainly changing that, uh, the customer dynamic, a lot of innovate, a lot of innovation, a lot of investment in food, creating that innovation just be, made it really get to the point where we were increasingly challenged when we were, uh, out in front of customers, you know, to, to be able to bring the information that they needed, to have the right approach, to have the right content, to have the right value proposition. And then, and then really the follow-up, and, uh, and the follow through that was needed was getting increasingly difficult. So you had, you had that, you know, and at the same time, you had that evolving uh, new generation of, of buyers coming into the market as well that, frankly, didn't really want to work in that sort of old school way that, uh, you know, where it's pick up the phone, find somebody to get you what you need. You know, the consumer or the, the customer was far more uh, online to, to find the, the information they needed, and they needed a different engagement model. Mm -hmm. And as marketing, you're responsible for both, right? That online experience where a customer on their own can go to the website and find answers to the questions they have, but also to arm the sales enablement team uh, with a platform. Uh, to solve some of those problems with the content, right? The right content at the right time in the right way so that they could have that better, more poignant discussion with customers. Uh, was that kind of the main use you were looking for in the sales enablement program, the main use case? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, having a, what they call the omni-channel approach, right? Where everything from what they experienced in the, on, our, on our website and the advertising we're doing on social media, that needed to extend to, what was happening day to day in front of the customer. Uh, but, you know, another part of this was the idea that, you know, Jividon's got a long legacy, right? We've been doing this for a long, long time. Many of the people that are in our sales organization have been around a long time. So it wasn't uncommon for, for salespeople, for even, even for technical people who've been, in, who are in front of the customer to use whatever content they had on hand. Okay. <laughs> so they talk about their tried and true. Oh, I've been using this, slide for 10 years and I'm like yeah you've been using that slide for like 10 years <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh and and sort of just that you know that need to evolve that to make sure that they were they were constantly using or using the uh the content that was most relevant at that moment right and so yeah. uh we had to do something about that yeah and so getting those the legacy sellers to kind of evolve was a big challenge with the program and then that you knew that the new messaging and the new um the new products were being launched correctly, the new messaging was getting out there was really important so that you had a way to govern that and control some of that experience. What was, was that the biggest challenge that you faced was kind of the, the legacy way was the, the way that folks were used to it? Was that the biggest sales enablement challenge or were there other challenges that you kind of ran into and in, with the sales enablement program? Well, it, that certainly was it, right? That was the underlying component of the reason that we made the choice to do this to begin with. But you know, as we then moved forward, you know, I knew going into our new strategy, our 2020 strategy, which we're entering our last year of that, of that period now, you know, I saw us making a lot of change, right? We're, we're, we anticipated a lot of innovation. 
uh, where we'd have to articulate the value proposition around that. I anticipated that we'd have make some acquisitions, and we've certainly done that. We've gone from a organization that was really had maybe two value propositions, flavor and taste, and into one that's got far more value propositions, up six, eight, ten different value propositions that now that need to be represented. So uh, as that's kind of come along, certainly it's been good to have this uh, this sales enablement system to really facilitate that uh, that learning and then ultimately that delivery to the customer of the of the important value proposition messages. Yep, that single there are other source things of too truth. that we needed. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we knew. You know, we definitely knew that we had to uh, also create a system where sales could self serve. Right. The one thing I realized pretty quickly when I took the reins of of the total marketing department was that uh, my my organization was not going to grow. Okay, uh, you know the the company was not interested in investing more in people, and so in order for us to continue to stay as effective as we needed to be, we needed to become more efficient, right? And this definitely uh, allowed us to do that. Yeah, and scale the ability to kind of get the right content out there to maybe, yep. you know, uh, get and make sure that that content was being used was important. Um, on the other side, so from a marketing standpoint, you had a way to kind of uh, place that content in the portal, get it out into the hands of the sellers. But that doesn't mean, particularly with the legacy Salesforce that you had that sellers were going to adopt and use the platform. You know, they still had their decks sitting on their system. So how did you, how did <laughs> yeah. you get adoption and, and drive it? And, uh, and how do you kind of continue to advance that usage and, and make sure that it stays? Well, I think one of the things that uh, my team really embraced at the outset was that we, if we, if we're going to do this, we needed to do it right. So there's a couple of things that, that we did, I think, really well. One was we created a, a an outstanding user interface within the system, right? We made sure that it very properly reflected our brand. It 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 led it actually led our strategy, you know, to to set it up so it was reflective of how we wanted the team to go to market. Um, it was uh, it was the, the design was going to be reactive to new needs as as people learned, right? So we could bring on as the, as the system itself evolved, we would be able to bring people on effectively. And I think one of the things that I would say was a really good decision by us at the outset was to appoint a dedicated sales enablement manager. Okay. And that, that was to put somebody in charge who really owned this and lived it every day, gave us uh, a lot of benefit and it gave everybody sort of a go-to person for questions around how do I use this? What are the benefits? Things like that. And, and I was very fortunate. My SEM uh, really embraced it and still does today. And, and she owns it and drives it. Awesome. Now you spoke about the, the six, the eight now, you know, maybe up to 10 different um, value articulation um, kind of motions that you have to take because the product line has broadened so much. And we know that, that buyers are are more complex. What did you do with the content itself? Um, and and kind of how do you decide today? Um, so did you kind of do a buyer's journey um, content map uh, to help facilitate the buyer's journey, what Gartner calls kind of buyer enablement? So, yeah. so what have you yeah. been doing with the content itself is what I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, this was one of the revelations that the marketing team had. I remember when we, we kind of rolled it out to the marketing team and, and one of the people in the room sort of like showed she was nervous over the 
the, you know, the whole program guy showed a little apprehension and I kind of stopped her and said, wait a minute, this isn't the part where you're supposed to get nervous yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and where they were, where they got nervous the most was when they started to realize that, you know, they had been creating content that typically was designed for one situation and often for one person that was only really going to be seen by, you know, one, two, maybe five people, right? It was, it was one thing for one customer at one time. Uh, now to a situation where all of the content that they were building was going to really open up to everyone in their in the sales organization as well as up the line in, in management. So their work was going to become far more visible to the organization, and as such, it needed to improve, right? And so, yeah, we we definitely got into what does the journey look like? How do we create the necessary content for each part of that journey? Uh, it exposed, frankly, it exposed a lot of gaps in our approach, uh, but it also then as a result really helped facilitate a lot of new, really good work to fill those gaps and to really make us a better, just a better prepared marketing organization than we'd ever been in the past. Yep. And you did it, I would assume, based on the personas that you engage with and, and perhaps even different um, market segments that you engage with as well in the mapping. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree. Right. I think that, uh, you know, that's still evolving now because, you know, we're right now we're evolving out of a company that has typically had, you know, three or 400 target customers to one that's really trying to expand and, and to attract new customers. So even that, that, that concept of uh, prospect identification and then in a sort of uh, lead nurturing, that kind of stuff, we didn't do a lot of that. I mean, most of our, our customers were already in house. They already knew us well. Uh, that's changing, right? So even that dynamic requires us to use the tool differently and uh, and also requires us to make more and better uh, content pieces that, uh, that facilitate that. Awesome. So you've got this new content, you've kind of closed the gaps in the buyer's journey. And are you using the sales enablement platform and the intelligence now to guide and inform which content's working, which isn't working, maybe ways that you have to get things bubbled up to sales better. What, how are you leveraging the intelligence? Uh, well, we, we, uh, we definitely are very transparent with that. We, we share the, uh, the viewer, the viewership information. We share the sharing information with leadership, uh, within sales, within marketing, uh, the team looks at it. They look at their own content to find out, you know, what of my stuff is, is being used and, and, uh, uh, and what's not is frankly just eliminated. Right. I think one of the other things we do a good job of is using uh, the, you know, MediaFly has got good, uh, good elements in it that allow us to, you know, use the planned archiving and stuff like that. One thing we, we wanted to make sure was that this didn't start to become a repository, right? This was always about, making sure that we had the most relevant uh, information at our team's fingertips. And so we keep it clean, right? We, we clean it out, uh, we replace, we update and, uh, and as such it, you know, it stays clean and effective. Absolutely. So that, that's awesome to hear and how it helps to then inform the investments that you're making and, and helping to clean out that repository so that it just doesn't yeah. become a, a, a mass of, of content that isn't relevant is great. And then how do you get um, sales to kind of better find the content? Have you created uh, like guided playbooks for different situations? Um, how do they get to, if they're 
selling it to a particular situation with a particular product line, how do they best do that? Is it just basic search? Um, are there kind of built out playbooks that you have based on the, the stage in the buying journey? Kind of tell us how, how the sellers find the right content they need for that right situation. Yeah, first we built what we thought was a pretty intuitive like foldering structure, right? You know, mm -hmm. that if there was somebody who was inclined to want to click through that they would, we never wanted them to have to click more than three or four times to get what they needed. So we tried to keep the, the foldering structure flat. Um, we also, we also use the, uh, the advanced searching tool and the filtering tool. Mediafly has been a great partner in that. They've helped us build that out and, you know, really responded to our needs in that regard. So now it's very easy for somebody to do a quick search on a, on a, a keyword. Uh, and then, and then use uh, the advanced search features to filter down to the either the type of data content they're looking for, or, uh, or even for if it's relevant to their market, to their region, things like that. We also to use two other tools, so we use Story Mapper quite effectively. So we'll use that a lot of times to as a, you know, as one of these uh, upfront slides that, you know, that allows somebody to go into a section and then and then have very quick access to maybe the three or four most important pieces of content for that particular area. Yeah. It almost turns uh, then, PowerPoint into like a little interactive application, right? Where it's got hot yeah. spots that you can click on. Yeah, I love that. And we use that a lot even on, for my product line at Mediafly, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's important to be able to do that. One of the things that we're trying to get away from is is that, that linearness of PowerPoint, right? Where you're just kind of clicking through slide to slide to slide to slide. You know, we've, we've used Story Mapper to you know, guide our sales team, but also, you know, when we're in front of customers to allow the customer to drive, you know, put the, you know, if we go into most customer situations, we, you know, we usually have two or three things that we think they want to talk about, but mm -hmm. there might also be two or three others. And so we just put them all up there and then let them guide us through and use Story Mapper to, to, to get us uh, where we need to be. And then Workspaces is a new feature that we're working with a lot now where, you know, I'll use an example like uh, plant protein. Plant protein is hot in the food market today. Everybody's trying to take, you know, make plant substitutes for uh, for all kinds of different categories. Yeah. Which I'm vegan, so really, I, I, I'm yeah, right okay, with so it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think, you know, and that, frankly, that content sits all over our core structure, right? Because mm -hmm. that's going on in so many different categories that it's almost impossible to set that up. It, and we don't want to do it, you know, in an industrial way and just say, okay, here's a plant protein folder and here's everything to regardless, because that, mm -hmm. that becomes very burdensome. Uh, so we're using, you know, we're foldering it, we're putting it where it really needs to belong in the different sections of the, uh, of the folder structure, but then we're using the workspace approach to help get people where they need to be more quickly and, and to navigate uh, more easily from, you know, from that top, that top level uh, into the, into the depths of, uh, of what we call marketplace to get to what they need. Yeah. So um, I know that you and I worked on a, a project where we were trying to target, you know, a better way to articulate value, particularly not just being able to communicate it more effectively and kind of tell a story around the value, but being able to quantify it. Um, and we know how important that is, right? To get people motivated, not just from a, an emotional standpoint, but also have all the financial justification and other things to go with it. Yep. What have you been doing already to kind of improve that? And and what would you advise others that are looking to do that, kind of the guidance of where you're at and kind of where you want to go? 
Hmm. I'm glad you brought that up, Tom, because I, I actually, you know, thinking about this uh, this discussion, I, I was thinking, man, I remember that meeting that we had with you, and 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 you know, I walked away from that thing with like, oh my goodness, you know, we we have so much work to do, right? And that, mm-hmm. and for me, that was, work was really around just really understanding what our value propositions were, and 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 we have a very good grasp of that. So, you know, we, what we've been doing since that meeting is really driving our product team to really hone those value propositions and to think more, think more in depth about what's the value story that you're telling. And, and then once we feel like we've got that built up in a, in a good way, I think then we can get into using more of, you know, what you've done with uh, some of that and helping, helping our cl- our customers then walk through what that value proposition looks like and reach beyond just that sort of that top line apparent value and dig deeper and, and really show them what the benefits are of working with Jividon and the products that Jividon has to offer. Yep. And then being able to quantify it, right, is that second step. Yeah. But that, that messaging and thinking that through, the, just the positioning and the messaging, I think, is that important first step that you highlighted and getting the team to kind of rethink it. Um, was important because I remember when we sat down and you know the the team knew the solutions well and and certainly knew some of the value that was being delivered but I think one of the things that we helped them to do was illuminate wow there was so much more value that we uncovered in that workshop than what people thought about you know hey if we think about ways that we reduce risk or and then what I also um find, and it wasn't just at, at Jividon but at other companies we work with is a lot of times it's not codified so by organizing it, I, I think that's one of the most important aspects too of really trying to get it into these buckets and categories so you can flesh out each true value position and driver of value. And then being able yeah. to map that against, you know, we, we worked with the value map, which is, you know, cost reduction, productivity process improvement, risk reduction, and business growth, and having those big categories to look at and say, okay, do we cover everything? Uh, and then did we think of the people that we sell to and the value that we can deliver to each part of the organization of who we sell to? Um, and just thinking that through a little bit, it really, I think, expanded the scope of the the marketers and the product people in the room to say, oh, we have a lot more value here than what we're articulating today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And I and that's even changed since we were together in that meeting because we've you know, we've completed one of the acquisitions uh, that's really our most major acquisition in the last over 10 years. And, and with that brought on a number of new products. So we're into, uh, into the color, natural colors space. Now we're into the natural antioxidant space. We're into the natural functional botanical space. So, you know, now if you start taking those products and putting them together with flavor, you, you, now you really start to have this integrated solution mentality that uh, that starts to create a bunch of real value for customers that uh, that certainly they're not necessarily going to to recognize on the surface right they're still going to try to transact on each one of those materials individually but if we can show them ways to you know to build these things together and uh, they, they can see real value not just in in the buy but also potentially even in the formulation of making just better quality products with with better controls and things like that that's what we do really well right is building uh you know building consistency into products that they might not otherwise be able to get through their own 
uh, manufacturing and procurement. Yeah, natural supply chain, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and so you're kind of talking about this in a way that we love to, which is, you know, this is a journey. It's not a, a one time thing that you do or a piece of technology you implement. Um, first of all, the marketplace is changing constantly. Um, so you've got to continually evolve with that. Second, your product line and what you're dealing with changes constantly because there's acquisitions, yep. mergers, competitors change. And then just in general, you know, it's it's a journey to implement something like we said of, of value articulation or communication quantification is one thing. You, you've got to have a starting point, but then along that journey, you've got to kind of bring the team along. So what are some of the next steps in the sales enablement journey and, and your roadmap that that you've laid out? What are, what are kind of the next few big things that you're working on and evolving on? Well, two things we're doing and, and, and for sure having the sales enablement program in place is gonna, is gonna help both of them immensely. But one is to just to build a better playbook. Uh, again, I think providing the uh, customer facing team with better direction, more direction on, on you know, what are all the various selling scenarios and, and how do they go about you know, winning with a customer, go get going and getting opportunities and ultimately delivering a, a product and a value to them. Uh, it's, it's tougher. Like I said earlier, it's tougher than ever to do that. So we've got to give them the right direction and, and mark the, our market, sorry, I refer to marketplace. That's our sales enablement tool. We'll, we'll really give them the tools to do it, not only to get into the playbook to see, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? But mm -hmm. then using the various devices like Story Mapper to map them to the content. Once they're in it and see it and say, okay, I get it. I need to present this technology to this type of customer. Where is that? I can, I can map them straight to it uh, without them even having to leave the, the system at all. And the second part, yeah, and the second part is really just new. We're also in the middle of uh, implementing uh, Salesforce uh, CRM. And so, you know, we're really looking forward to that integration. Uh, I've been telling the team for a long time that they need to use Marketplace to, uh, and the MediaFly tool to present to their customers because it just makes, it makes producing their call reports so much easier, right? It, you know, by, by just turning on that, uh, uh, that functionality that, that maps the call, um, that, you know, it, and, and then being able to just re push that into a call report mm -hmm. with, uh, with full details of what was shown and what was shared. Uh, you know, it just, that, that burden that is otherwise, that everyone is seeing uh, of having to do these in-depth call reports now just gets alleviated so significantly. And then as we move even further down the line, we just look forward to using all of the content in, in marketing automation and using the sharing feature more frequently and just really starting to not just map that journey, but start to really drive our, you know, relevant content into the journey where it's uh, where it's best placed. So, awesome. Lots so more to, to do. Awesome to explore that a little bit more on the playbook side. Um, one of the key things that I see there is being able to build playbooks that are oriented not necessarily around products, but um, around use cases and challenges. Is that yeah. kind of how you're going to do it, or is it? Do you have kind of a different idea it's there? It's both. The playbook is going to have, you know, certainly plenty of uh, sort of where to play, how to win information yep. inside of it. But but we've also built in a sales tools and templates approach where, you know, where if you're just thinking about a scenario you might be in with a customer, whether that's in there talking to them about, uh, 
something like a strategic capture, right? That's one of the things that we want to do. We, we feel like we can bring our products, bring more value to our customers and our competitors' products. How do you go in and have a conversation with a customer about, about making that switch from a competitive product to our product? Uh, and so really writing a lot of those scenarios, getting the sales team involved. I don't want to do it. I'm the marketing guy there. You know, they need it done by the, we need it done by the sales directors and the, and the people who are on the street. It, it just builds credibility, but then, you know, really building all that in together into a very robust, uh, really sales guide. And, and so we're doing that for, for 2020. And what's great about that is we're, we're currently entering into our 2025 uh, next strategic cycle. So it'll, it'll get us all set up to use the approach for implementing that strategy as well. Awesome. So what is the one piece of advice, you know, with all your experience in implementing this and kind of creating this next step journey, what's one, one piece of advice you'd give to the rest of our evolvers on the phone today? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, I think if I had to say the one thing that most companies would overlook or, you know, potentially not do in an environment would be to assign that one person, that, that one sales enablement manager. Okay. I think I got lucky with the person I put on that. Uh, but I don't think I got lucky in terms of recognizing that I needed to have somebody truly dedicated to implementation, to adoption, to, learning and development uh, to even, you know, she even polices the, 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 the system to make sure that we're using the right naming conventions so that, I mean, she, you know, she really looks after the, the program. She looks after marketplace as we call it. And as such uh, it's a, it's a better program and, uh, uh, and, and the, the entire team. And now this is not just in North America anymore. This is worldwide. You know, everybody in the world knows her. <laughs> okay. Because, because she's just really on it. And I think uh, you're just not going to get that right. If you try to crowdsource this, so to speak, right. If you try to get your whole marketing team uh, doing it, you're, you're going to have, if you got 15 people, you're going to have 15 different approaches. And she's the one that really uh, brings all that together and makes sure that we have really one approach. That's awesome. So one person to manage it. I do want to point out to the yep. community that um, that person is reporting into marketing and um, Mary Shea and the folks at Forrester have pointed out that that's the, the biggest trend right now is sales enablement, not, you know, being part of sales, but actually being much more yeah. part of marketing and more organizations. Any opinion on that? Ha. I, you know, that's <laughs> so cool, right? So thank you again for saying that because uh, I remember when I started this, I was, I was talking about content management all over the, all the time, content management. People were looking at me like I had two heads. Okay. <laughs> Frank, frankly, nobody cared. Okay. Uh, about marketing content management. But <laughs> when I flipped the switch and started calling it sales enablement, it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We need to do that. Right. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and so, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, we really are managing all of the marketing content and collateral. Right. So, <laughs> Uh, honestly, I wouldn't leave that to, to sales. I would leave that, I, that, that needs to be done by marketing. Marketing needs to own it. Uh, it needs to reflect the, the company's brand. It re needs to reflect the company's strategy and, you know, no offense to the sales teams out there, but, but, you know, they need to be focused on execution mm -hmm. and, and driving and driving, you know, we call it pipeline and top line. You know, marketing is typically the organization that's going to be driving strategy and, and the, you know, the, really the, 
the where to play and the and the how to win stuff in it. Yeah, and so I I definitely feel like that needs to be done in marketing. Yeah, and you talked about how you engage with sales on the playbook and that they need to own that. So it's not like it's oh, a, yeah. a, you know, a dictatorship in terms of well, here's your no, content and a, we'll use it. Yeah, exactly. There's a ton of collaboration. Yeah, it's not a silo at all. I mean, it, you know, what's really important also is to make sure you create a feedback loop with your sales organization. I mean, that's been one of the great uh, success elements for us as well is that we've literally begged the sales team to tell us uh, either o- overtly or just subtly what they need. And, you know, and, and as sort of the keepers of that, we have to listen very well to what they're saying because they're not always going to say, I need this particular piece of content. That's not how it's going to come to us. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to listen, just like you listen to uh, uh, an external customer. We in the marketing group have to listen to our internal customers to, to bring them the things that they need even before they realize they need it. So well said, Eric. Thank you so much. How can the Evolver community find and, and reach you online? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think uh, just just search Eric Spensky, and uh, I'm the only one out there and with that name. So uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. And we'll include your link to your LinkedIn in the description. Eric, I could talk to you for hours about sales enablement, and I'm sure we'll have you back again as well. And um, best of luck to the 2025 planning. And uh, we look forward to collaborating with you and inviting you back to talk to the Evolvers, collaborating with you much more in the future. So thank you, Eric. Awesome, Tom. Thank you.